Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Joe, thanks for having me. This is an emergency podcast. That's right. I didn't say that in the original uh, lead-in, uh, but it's an emergency. Yeah, I mean, maybe the, maybe the most dire emergency. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it's this is dire. This is dire. Uh, before I before we we, we discuss this dire emergency. Um, we were, you know, we had a podcast last week. We were gonna, we were having a, our big podcast last week, uh, and we had to postpone it because of the the fires uh, out there in LA. So, how 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 are you? How is everything out there? Is everything? Thank you for asking. I am fine. The place I live in, Los Angeles, was in a sort of shielded area. I mean, I live in a very uh, residential area. the The places that were the worst affected are the hillsides, sure. obviously, because there's uh, much more vegetation and just empty land there uh is really bad though i mean the smoke was just everywhere and it was our schools were canceled and uh, you know they it made it very hard to kind of get around and you just were scared about the, everybody that you knew and we were uh my son my jerk son who plays baseball was uh in a baseball tournament um the weekend before in a one of the places that was very much uh, adversely affected by the fires and it's just it's crazy it was uh it and it by the way it's getting it's not no, over it's you not know over. it that the one that was sort of gotten the most attention was the one in what amounts to bel-air which is like you know the the wealthiest part of the wealthiest city in the wealthiest <laughs> state in the union it was like it's you know where like oprah lives and now um and like all these movie stars and business people and all these famous people and so that was obviously like a attention grabby but the much larger fire uh, is one that is still only 15% contained. It's way up north and west towards the water. It's now threatening a town called Carpinteria. It's in Carpinteria. And Carpinteria is where uh, it's like near and Montecito. It's like up towards Santa Barbara where all of those wealthy people, many of them have like vacation oh homes. It's like gosh. it's like it has a it's going after Oprah with a vengeance, this fire. Oh. So, well, um I mean- yeah, and 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 by the way, and it's not obviously just wealthy people. It's everybody. It's it's every. I mean, it's so many towns and and people of all stripes uh, have been uh, affected by it. It's really awful. It's an awful, awful, awful thing. thing. I mean, the 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 video, uh, you know, is just. I mean, we've we've all seen horrible, horrible forest fire video and all that, but I don't know that I've ever seen video that just seemed, first of all, so overwhelming, but also so close to like highways and the you know what i mean i mean it was it's this is just yeah it's i've never seen anything that seemed so intertwined with with obviously uh, not just uh not just the rich and and famous but but just i mean the biggest city in america i mean you know i mean you know just it's yeah i mean the the thomas fire which is the main one is it's 200 it's closing in on two hundred and fifty thousand acres i mean it's like a you know, it's like the, the larger than New York City and and Boston and all yeah. these other cities combined. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and it's just awful. I mean, so many people, fortunately, the loss of actual human life has seemed to be they've done an incredible job of keeping uh, of information flow and keeping people out of harm's way for the most part. Obviously, thousands of structures, homes and and vehicles and stuff have been destroyed but the actual loss of human life has been kept to a minimum and there's all these awful side effects too of like there's a california condor an endangered condor release point uh up there in carpinteria or in that area that is now being threatened and there's like a baby you know there's there's like a couple dozen of these condors these majestic condors that are left and they tag them and they rehabilitate them and they keep them in this 
uh, release center up on the on the water up there, and now oh. that that is under duress. It's, it's just this all. It's just every time you would check the news or look into what was happening, it was like some new angle of horribleness would would emerge, and uh, you know. I cannot well, believe right. the bravery of the people who are just fighting day and night. I mean, 24 hours a day, every single day for weeks, and they're not even close to being done. And they just keep going out there. It's it's That is yes. what true heroism looks like to me, is when you see those images of these fires that are just raging out of control. And these men and women are just calmly striding toward the fire with hoses and axes and everything else. Just like, all right, here we go. Another... Yes. 10 hour shift of just into pouring water into the flames. Well, you know, I, I mean, really that, that has been to me the most striking element of this, this, and obviously, you know, for, because, because of you and other people that I know, I mean, I've, I've really, really tried to follow this closely and it is this bizarre combination of feeling incredibly small, right? Because this thing is so much bigger than, than any of us, you know, I mean, it's just, I mean, this is, this is nature just roaring in, in such an extraordinary way. And also quite the opposite, how extraordinary human beings can be, you know, when you look at how they've been fighting this, it's, it is, it is, it is just, you know, it's, it's the best of, of us, you know, as, as human beings, uh, and, and also just the, just this, you know, this, this moment of, of, uh, I mean, it just feels like end of days awfulness, you know, I mean, it's just, it's really extraordinary. And obviously, the the number one worst thing about it is that we had to delay the podcast. Well, that's right. Days. Well, that's well, look. You you talked yeah, about was really, that was like the final straw for most people. They were like, "Look, I didn't like these fires before, but now." Well, that's the thing. It's like you were saying. It's like, oh, it suddenly it touches the Condor Release Center and the podcast. I mean, like that's right. You know the humanity of this, um, and it's really, I think, a very uh, smooth transition. To go from these horrible fires <laughs> to the dire yeah, emergency. Yeah, there's nothing awkward about this. Yeah, <laughs> the dire emergency that caused this podcast in the first place, which is, of course, and and yes, it is a dire emergency. Uh, the New York Yankees trading for uh, Giancarlo Stanton. So uh, I don't really know how to begin. You know, it's like how do you begin? Um, you know, just your, your time in hell really is what we're talking about here. Um, your first, you, you were, I, I must admit, I was sort of out of pocket. I was, I was, um, uh, you know, doing this, I was in Kansas city doing a, a, I had a speaking thing there, which was wonderful. And, and thank you to all those people out there. And I suddenly got a text from you basically losing your mind. So, so give, so let's start with that. Well, I don't want to just go back to the point. It's sort of a boring point to just lose <laughs> your mind about the Yankees getting Stanton, right? Because it, it's like, it, it's just, it's, that's the, that's, that's like level, level one, you're right, one you're right, of this problem. Right. It's, and so like level one of anything is kind of boring. And if you're a Red Sox fan and the Yankees sign a free agent, who's really good, you know, whatever, if you're a Cubs fan right. and the Cardinals sign right. a free agent, who's really good. That that's like low level fandom. The, the, the part of this that's really, to me, is an emergency and it has taken on this kind of like bigger problem is like when you really step back and you really look at the whole thing, like, OK, my first reaction was this is so bad <laughs> right. for baseball. Um, and when I say my first reaction, I mean, my first reaction after really kind of yes. taking in the full picture. So it's not my it's not my gut reaction. It's it's my like initial wave of analysis, I guess. 
is this is so bad for baseball because what you have is an ownership group that bought a team, a team that has twice won a World Series and then sold off every right. uh, good part of its team and has also, by the way, sold off other parts of their team over and over and over again, even when they haven't won the World Series. But it, they're constantly just selling off. That team, that franchise was run terribly for a very long time by a man who then went to the city that they played in and said, hey, if you give me hundreds of millions of dollars to build a stadium, I'll stop doing that. You know that thing that I keep doing where I keep getting rid of all of our best players? I'll stop because you, I'll have a new stadium and the new stadium will be great and people will come to the new stadium and they'll buy tickets and we'll get a TV deal and everyone will want to come here. It's South Florida. It's great. It's Miami. It's a cosmopolitan city. And we'll be what the heat were, basically. We'll be like a destination for free agents. So the city said, okay, here's whatever it was, $400, 500000000 million, all of it with bonds that are eventually going to cost right. the city like right. $1.5 or whatever the crazy number is. But here you go. Here it is. He built the ugliest stadium in the history of anything. Not in the history of stadiums, in the history of structures. It's the ugliest structure that exists anywhere on Earth. And it did nothing. No one came to the games. The team wasn't any good. The team wasn't run any better. But what he did do is turn around and then use basically that stadium and the 10-year contract that he had given to Mike Stanton, Giancarlo Stanton. And he said, now who wants to buy the whole team? So, so then an ownership group comes along and Derek Jeter's part of it. And Derek Jeter's famous and he's a champion. He, he has calm he eyes does. and five calm rings. That's what we know right. about Derek Jeter. His eyes are calm. And there's a ring on every finger on his uh, left hand. And he uh, and he says, I'll, I'll, I'll buy 4% of this team for whatever, for $100 bucks." And they say, great. And that ownership group doesn't have enough money. <laughs> they don't have enough money to run the, the team well. So what happens after Jeffrey Loria bails out of that awful structure and the awful contract that he gave Mike Stanton? Long. Not actually long. that awful, but long. Uh, under the promise of this will never happen again, he sells it to a group of people who have so little money, comparatively speaking, that they just have to do it again. So it ends up not mattering that Jeffrey Loria, the bad owner, is gone. It ends up not mattering at all because the new owners do exactly what he did, which is they sell everything off. And so my first thought is, God, this is so bad for baseball. This is such an embarrassment. It's such a it's such a crime. They never should have approved this sale. They should have looked for someone like the way Steve Ballmer bought the Clippers, where you're like, look, is he going to be a good owner? Who knows? He, but a lot of money. He, is, exactly. he has $15 billion. He has a lot of money, and he's buying a team in a major market that will be a destination. So that plus a lot of money means that we're not in any trouble here. That is not the case down there. And so I thought to myself, boy, this is so bad for baseball. And then I realized something that's even more depressing, <laughs> which is, oh, no, this is great for baseball because – that franchise stinks and they're always going to stink and they're never going to get, they may never get Florida to care at all. They just might never get them to care in a meaningful way. And what they have now is a franchise that will be cared about by its local residents at roughly the same level that it was before, which is to say not that much. And they have taken one of the largest and I mean that literally, one of the physically largest stars <laughs> that they have. And they've moved them to New York. They've moved him. He's in New York now. He plays, I mean, the amount of hype. Can you imagine how excited, oh, yeah. for example, ESPN Sunday Night Baseball <clears throat> is right now? Can you imagine how psyched they are? Because all they want to ever do is show the Yankees, Red Sox, Cubs, Cardinals, and Dodgers. That's all they ever want to show. And they can't just show those five teams 
every Sunday because it's it makes for like a, a it's the optics on it are bad. But now they kind of can because the stars are all just coagulating in those cities anyway. And when after Stanton nope. goes to the Yankees, do you think nope. the Red Sox are going to just chill out at the winter meetings? No, of course they're not. They're going to sign like two or three guys. Uh, who, who matter and those games are going to be hyped in the way that they haven't been hyped since the 0304 like uh, uh insanity and so the, the really the truly deeply sad thing to me is that this isn't actually quote bad for baseball end quote it's actually in a very harsh awful way that completely screws over the entire city of Miami and state of Florida and all of the people who might have cared at all about the uh, team and the franchise, it has completely screwed them over, but it's actually not bad for baseball. It's actually good for baseball in this like mercenary way where all they care about is the TV ratings and the, and the star making and all of that kind of stuff. And that's what ultimately really just kind of bummed me out even more than the just basic like i'm a yeah. red sox well, fan i mean all I of those things that you said are, are are right you know in larger sense by the way i was thinking about the the uh marlins uh stadium which you know is <clears throat> i mean it's just you know what it is it's remember how uh, a few weeks ago we were talking about the brilliant idea that uh papa john had to uh to 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 uh basically uh, try to back out of his his deep uh, connection with Nazis by sending like a, an emoji, yeah, like a middle finger emoji to Nazis on Twitter. Like that was his. That's right. That was his, that was his move. Yeah, that stadium is a middle finger emoji. So like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what it is. To just the con- to like the concept of good taste. It's just it, there's no taste, and it's like what you would think people in Miami would want if you don't know anybody in Miami, right? I mean, it's you know it's- what I you know what I for what it's worth, you know what I actually I had this thought about it like a year ago, which is you know what it, you know what it reminds the analogy to me is. Do you remember this is kind of a hacky reference in the comedy <laughs> world, but remember when Bjork wore that dress that was like yes. the giant swan, yes. right? So she wore that giant swan dress, and every the swan that swan dress. This is like way pre Twitter, obviously. It's way pre everything, I think. I don't remember when it was probably 20 yeah, years ago. I'm so old, ago, but, yeah. they, but they, but it got so much press and it's still like a thing that people like talk yes. about. Oh, Bjork swan dress, the swan dress. That's what the stadium is. <laughs> it's not like it, the Bjork swan dress wasn't actually a good piece of clothing. It was just this kind of big, loud, ugly thing right. that everyone right. noticed. And that's what that, that's what that dumb statue <laughs> is out in center field with a, with the doll, the Marlins and the dolphins and the, whatever they are jumping around. It's like, that's not actually good. That's not good architecture. It's not attractive. It's just a thing that makes people remember that it exists, right, right. but like, that's not how you should run. That's not what you were looking for in a structure. You, think. you would not think it's, you know, I mean, it's just, like I said, it's, it feels to me like, you know, Hey, Miami, they love it. Splashy, colorful, blue, we, statues and, you know, bad taste and whatever and it's just pelicans <laughs> and miami vice and and yeah high line exactly that's, that's exactly what... and it's sort of like i think miami's a little deeper no no traffic bad drivers you know just throw in everything every miami cliche into one structure so so that was a big issue um but your point is is right it's it and look this is this is somewhat of a continuum in baseball history and obviously the yankees have taken full advantage of that um, as a larger, you know, baseball health question, 
Miami's just not in the picture, right? Those Miami fans, look, Miami kind of crashed the party twice and won a couple World Series, and nobody outside of Miami was happy about it and whatever. But, I mean, that, that, that's just a market that's just not into baseball. Now, certainly not into Major League Baseball. I mean, they are into baseball. Uh, but it's such a diverse market. It's very difficult to get everybody sort of on board with the same thing. You know, they were able to do that a little bit with the Heat, with LeBron, uh, just because that team was so awesome. Um, but the Dolphins are having trouble with that. The, the, certainly the Marlins have had trouble with that for a long time. So I think, you know, that basically you have to have like a very strong, detailed plan to bring all of Miami together and get excited about your team. And the way you do that is you start with a player as exciting as Giancarlo Stanton, right? I mean, that's that's where that's where any plan to like get people excited because Miami is definitely uh, like New York, like LA, and it's it's a star town, right? And so so this guy's as big a star as anybody in the game. And to just see them, I mean, he didn't even want to leave. I mean, he really didn't even want to leave, and. And they just they can't afford him, or they they think that their their future is you know dead with him. And I mean, look, I you can make all the baseball arguments you want, but you're basically just saying to Miami for the next five years, don't care about us. There's there's nothing for you to yeah. care about. Yeah, but there's no point. There there there's there's no um, there's no shape of us right. being a competitive franchise. And it's not, by the way, like the Cubs where they have this incredibly rabid, fantastical fan base that they know will right. kind of right. be there for them, where where they can get a, a really smart team of people in place to help slowly rebuild the franchise in the correct way. And the way you know that is by the prospects that came back, right? <laughs> because the <laughs> when, when Theo was going through this, every deal he made, and granted, we've talked about this before, he made... He made a lot of. He got lucky. Like he, a lot of the guys well, that they drafted, really and a lot of the guys Arietta. that they traded, like Arietta, was a great out. So he got very yeah, yes. But he, in general, he got a little bit lucky. But it was like they had these targets, right? And they had. It was like they knew. Like he went and got right. Rizzo because he knew Rizzo, and he and he went and got. He drafted certain guys. He right. went after Addison Russell, and he went after these guys. And what appears to have happened is they were like, I don't know. I mean, they have a guy and the Marlins have that guy who like knew the Yankees farm system. And so there's some hope that he actually knows a little bit more than we do. But Stanton is the reigning NL MVP. And I know that this is about money. I totally understand that. But for goodness sakes, you get Starlin Castro and an A ball pitcher. That's the return. And like an 18 year old guy who's whose main qualities, he's the cousin (laughs) of another guy who's good. I mean, this is it's so crazy. Like they they. I don't know how this is what I don't understand. And maybe you can explain this to me how, okay. A couple things about this, about right. the actual deal, right? The first thing is I, it is infuriating to me that the a rod right. thing happened again. And by the a rod thing, what I mean is a team was trying to trade for a su- mega, mega superstar. And, and had it they done, went basically. all, they went down way down the road and they, they, right. they got into specifics and they talked about the money and they talked about who's coming back and we, can we restructure? It's unclear. Let's talk to the union. Let's talk to the front office, blah, 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 blah. They actually make a deal right. uh, in a Rod's case. And then the league steps in or the union steps in and says, no, that's illegal. You can't do that. Blah, 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 blah. And the whole thing falls apart. 
So then, then basically what happens is the franchise, in that case, the Rangers, is so pregnant with the idea that they are trading A-Rod that what happens, what happens to the Yankees, who are like just kind of eating a cheeseburger over in the corner, they look up and go, oh, uh, we'll take him. And, and Texas yeah, goes, great, 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 great. You take him. And <laughs> like that happened again. It happened again. It they happened were down again. the road. Almost exactly. Yes, with the Giants and the Cardinals, and there was all this talk, and they had to cut the payroll, and they were looking into this, and they had a deal, and the prospects were agreed to, and the money was agreed to, and then Stanton went, no, sorry, I don't want to no. go to the Giants. I don't want to go to the Cardinals. And then Miami was like, oh, no, what do we do? And the Yankees, who were just calmly eating a basket of uh, onion rings over in the corner, looked up and went, oh, uh, yeah, we'll take them. And they went, great. We'll take them. We'll take them. I literally cannot believe this happened again. And that's the first thing. The second thing I can't believe about the actual deal is that the Yankees have one objective, literally one objective that they were after this year. And that one objective was to stay under the the luxury tax line because – They've been over it every year, and every year it, the force of uh, the tax multiplies. And they were up; they would have had to pay what I think fifty percent on the amount over the luxury tax this year, unless you can get under it for one year, in which case it resets and goes back to twenty. So that's their only goal. So somehow the Yankees, who have the like second higher, third highest payroll in all of baseball, added a guy who has a three hundred million dollar contract. And they are still going to get under that luxury tax line and reset their tax because the Marlins stupidly agreed to take Starlin Castro back. And now they're just, and by the way, they're just going to trade him for nothing. They'll trade him for a a bucket of baseballs to someone else. Anyone who will take the money. They don't want, especially if, by the way, in Miami, having a dude named Castro is a (laughs) super great idea. And so they, they're going to get rid of him, but the Yankees are not adding that much payroll even. And that was the prohibitive thing about Stanton was how much money he gets paid $30 million a year. And yet the Yankees, by getting Castro's like 11 million or 12 million off the books and the actual AAV of Stanton's contract is only like 22 or something or whatever it is ends up being, they're going to get under the luxury tax line. That is so crazy. And then the third thing is, I don't understand this. And this is what I would like you to explain to me. How does Derek Jeter and whoever else is running the, the running the asylum down there how do those people not look around? They they go down the line with the Cardinals and the Giants. It doesn't work out. Stanton nixes the deal. The Yankees show up and they go, "Hey, we'll take them, but you got to give you got to take Starlin Castro, who you don't want. You got to give us thirty million dollars, which you don't have, and you and the best we will do is an A ball pitcher and a guy who's like a seventeen year old, eighteen year old lottery ticket. That's the best deal we can do. How at that point do you, if you're Derek Jeter, not say thanks but no thanks, pull him back? Wait, pay his salary for another two or three months because what's the difference? Wait until late June and early July when suddenly, who knows, maybe the Angels are in contention because Otani is the real deal and and Trout is having a monster season and they kind of put it all together and they're three games out of the wild card and Artie Moreno is suddenly like, hey, I can really kick this thing into overdrive and I can add Mike Stanton, Giancarlo Stanton to this roster and we can make the playoffs, which we haven't done in a long time because our team stinks. Or who knows, maybe the Mets pitchers have come back and they're having incredible years and the Mets are like, you know, they lost, sure they lost Jay Bruce and they lost a couple of guys, but boy, you know who would look real good at Shea Stadium? You know who the Mets would love to add in order to steal some headlines from the Yankees? Giancarlo Stanton. 
or maybe the Red Sox are having a are, are, are where the Dodgers were last year and they're ha- they're putting it all together and everything is going right and their pitchers are out. David Price is back and and but they still have a little bit of a power drought which they had last year and they they say hey we're going to pull off the greatest deadline deal of all time <laughs> and we're going to trade Jackie Bradley Jr and a couple of uh, uh, our prospects for Stanton and how do you not how do you not wait why why did you have to do this right now when you saw that the best you can get for a generational power hitter is a, is an A-ball pitcher, an 18-year-old lottery ticket, and Starlin Castro, who you don't want? <laughs> How do you not stop and just say, look, we're, maybe we're out in over our head here. We're out of our depth. Let's wait until July. There's going to be eight more teams that might be in the mix, including, by the way, the Dodgers where Stanton wants to go anyway. <laughs> like, Well... I- it's so interesting. I mean, first of all, there's about 25 things in there that you cover that uh, that 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 need a little extra attention. First of all, so so he the, the Giants went as far down the road as they can go, right? The Giants did everything in their power right. to make this happen, and he clearly just didn't buy into the Giants' plan, right? He just was like. You know, I, I don't believe they're going to be very good. That's out in the West Coast. I didn't really want to be in San Francisco. Uh, you know, they they don't have a great reputation of this, that, the other, whatever the case may be. He just didn't feel like the Giants organization was a fit, right? Um, but the Cardinals come in. And the Cardinals are the ones that have, like, the prospects to really deal, make the deal and make this work. And Stanton essentially says – well, I hate St. Louis. Basically, that was right. I mean, it was yeah. that was it wasn't like with the Giants, it was like lots and lots of other things. But with the Cardinals, it was like, yeah, no, I don't really want to live in St. Louis. I don't want to, I don't want to play there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want yeah. I don't really like that had to be such a crushing blow. I mean, St. Louis fans, I think we all know, are not only rabid fans, but they're very, very proud of of their you know, they're a city. They're very, very proud of their fan base. They always, you know, will talk about being best fans in baseball and 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 how the players love playing there. I mean, this was just a punch in the gut. So in addition to him going to the Yankees, he just like, it's like, you remember that Richard Pryor uh, line where he would talk about, you know, fighting Muhammad Ali and you would get into like that, that big grapple with him and then you would like back away and then he'd give you like a jab and he'd be like, yeah, take that with you. So that was like a take that with you for the Cardinals, <laughs> yeah. right? So I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to the Yankees. But by the way, I hate your town. Just like I hate your town, go away. So I thought that was really, really not great at all, uh, you know, to, 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 to go that way. So, so that's the first thing. Second thing is, why does Derek Jeter want this job? Like what – like if you great question, if, right? If great you, question. If you wanted to be the owner of a baseball team. First of all, Derek Jeter. Uh, I've gotten to spend some time with Derek Jeter over the last uh, couple of years for a couple of different events that we did, and uh, he's a, a nice guy. I mean, he, I'm not gonna, you know, we're not gonna go into uh, any Derek Jeter uh, love or hate uh, in the middle of this thing. But it is very clear to me that Derek Jeter is not a huge baseball fan. Really, is not. You know, so. To me, if he's going to want to be an owner, he's going to want to be like, hey, I'm in the middle of the game again, but not, you know, I can, I, we're going to be good. It's going to be exciting. We're going to get this town excited. And like the first thing he does is like crater the organization. Like that's like the, like he walks in the door and they're like, we have no money. And he's like, oh, what do we have to do? Yeah, we have to get rid of our best player. The only player that matters, the only player anybody here would come to see, get rid of him for anything. We don't care. Just get him out of here. So, why? Why would you want that job? What 
what possible good could you get from that job? I don't know. Right? It's it's really okay. The, the, if you want to be generous, what you say is he wants to be like he wants to ascend to like the eagle eye view of the game right. that he loves, right. and create like and like get in like be a businessman he wants to do it he wants to attack the game with his trademark calm eyes and and very calm eyes and he wants to kind of build something from the ground up and he wants to take on i mean these guys are all competition monsters right Right. we've talked about that a lot and he like jordan taking over the wizards or the bobcats or anything like that he they have this thing where like when they can't play anymore now they're quote playing end quote in a different way. They're like they're being uh, uh, tightened. They're being moguls. But he doesn't strike me as that kind of guy. No, and no. maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't feel like he that's. I don't feel like he has this kind of like. He's always seemed pretty chill. Yeah. He's not Jordan. He's not like jawing and trash talking and like gambling no. until five in the morning and like. I mean, maybe he is. Maybe that. Maybe our read on him is totally wrong. He's a maybe. private guy. I don't know anything about right, him. Or right, right. It might but, be, but I mean, he does not strike me as that guy at all. He's boring. He's just boring. I mean, he's he's like a guy that that just sort of seems to be. He likes you know living life and whatever. I mean, but he's not. He's not. Uh, there's no, you. You just never hear about like. Yeah, what did you do this weekend, Derek? And Derek Jeter would say, oh, I went, you know, swimming with sharks, right? I mean, that's just just not who yeah. he is, and, you know? And you also don't hear the stories from other athletes being like, you know who was the craziest right. com- like competition maniac ever? Derek Jeter, like, you know, he he put – I saw him put 50 grand on, like, whether a coin was going <laughs> to land heads or tails. Or, like, he just doesn't seem like that kind of guy who's right. just like, right. I have to compete, win every single second of every single moment of my life. So I don't I really don't know. Why well, does he want the job? I have no idea. Maybe it's like I mean when you're 40 and you've made 300 million dollars and you're world famous and you have like a beautiful wife and you have right. you know like your life is I mean he has to do something, you know, like yeah. A-Rod has found his calling weirdly. <laughs> who who saw this coming? A-Rod has found his calling in the world of like broadcasting. And he's still like ridiculous and he's still doing like ridiculous A-Rod stuff. But like he seems so happy on the MLB network. He seems so happy and like he's getting to analyze the game and he's and he's like talking about this and he's down on the field within a suit, like talking to old players and stuff. He just seems like like a, a pig in slop, that guy. And who and like maybe Jeter just like was like I don't know what my thing is and this seemed like a thing that he could try. I don't know. But again, you're right. You're right. By the way, I mean, you're so right about A Rod. I've never seen anybody who's so happy to like, other than like Pete Rose. Like, I can't think of anybody else who is that happy to talk baseball. Like, nothing seems to make him happier, which is the exact opposite of Jeter, by the way. Uh, having seen him and been in a couple of situations with him in sort of a sort of a private setting, he ain't talking baseball. Not interested. I mean, that's just not who he is. <laughs> so that's really yeah. weird, but. But even if you grant that there is a competitive nature to it, if you bought the Marlins or bought 4% of the Marlins or whatever it is, and you're like, okay, good, this is, I'm going to get to do my own Theo Epstein thing. All right. The first thing I'm going to do, my 30 Theo Epstein thing, is I've got to get the books cleared. Okay. I get all of that. However, I would also say, what is the one thing I have that anybody else in baseball wants? I mean, they've got a couple. I mean, Yelich is a good player. Otani, they'll probably deal those guys. But 
the one guy is the one superstar is your one superstar. And, and to just totally not cash in at all on him. And again, maybe you can't, maybe the contract is prohibitive in that way, but then your point is hundred percent right. Well then wait, then wait and hope that a better yeah. situation but comes also- along because I think what exactly happened, you mentioned the A-Rod Red Sox thing. I think the same thing happened. I think he they panicked after the Cardinals uh, and and Giants fell through. They're like, God, we've already we've already done budgets, and our budgets do not include uh, you know, the Giancarlo Stanton. So we've got to make this happen somehow. And the Yankees are like, we can make it happen. This is pretty easy. We can give you this and this and this. And I think they were just yeah. like, okay. Have I told you? I, I can't remember if I've told you this to, uh, or talked about this on this uh, podcast before. Have I told you the story of when I, when I had to get my first car no. when I moved to California? No. I can't remember. So I moved to California in 2004. I moved on June 1st. I started work at the office in the first season of the office on like June 16th. I needed a car. I never bought a car before. I had grew up in suburban Connecticut. I didn't get my license till I was wow. almost in college. Um, I went to college in, uh, in Boston and then I lived in New York. I never needed a car. So I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. I'm like, you know, 29 or whatever. And I'm going to get my first car. So I did a, I did a lot of research and I was the best car. What kind of car do I want? Gas mileage, this and that, whatever. I decided okay. to get an Acura. So I call and I wanted a black one. <laughs> I was like, I'll get a black Acura. So I call an Acura dealer and I said, Hey, I do have the Acura, whatever it was in black. Uh, I want to test drive this car. So I went to test drive it. And they said, I was like, okay, this is a, I, do you have this in black? And they said, no, it's going to take like uh, 12 weeks or whatever to order it. So I was like, well, I can't wait 12 weeks. So I was like, oh, I'll call another dealer. Called another dealer. Do you have this car? No, we don't have that car. So I started to panic. I call a bunch of dealers. And I'm calling dealers that are like <laughs> an hour and a half away from where I live. And it's getting kind of dicey. And I'm thinking, man, I, I, you know, you can't just go. You right. got to get like, I need a car. What am I, <laughs> I going to do? So I then, after doing all this research, and, and by the way, considering myself to be a fairly intelligent sure. person with a fairly good head on my shoulders and a fairly good understanding of the way the world works, I did what I consider to be <laughs> the dumbest thing I've ever done. I called an Acura dealer. And I said, hi, do you have the Acura, whatever it was, uh, in uh, in black? Uh, and they said, yes, we actually do have that car. And I said, great. <laughs> I want that car. Don't give that car to anyone else. I'm on my way right now because I'm going to lease that car. <laughs> and I hung up. And I very happily <laughs> went, drove, drove my wife, then girlfriend, drove me out to the dealer. And the weirdest thing, Joe, was what I showed up is they had put a bunch of stuff into that car and that I did not want, like fancy rims and a fancy stereo system and all this stuff. That And the, the actual price of the car was you know, $7,000 higher than, than what it was supposed to be. And I was like, oh, I don't want any of this. And they were like, well, sorry, we can't. There's nothing we can do. It's here now. We put these rims on this car and there's no way we can take them off, which is obviously plainly a lie. All you need is like a screwdriver. But I realized, of course, immediately what had happened. I was like, oh, I'm the idiot. I called a car dealer and played it the opposite of cool. And this is my punishment. And I decided, I was like, okay, here are my options. I can leave. I can go home. I can reset. I can do more research. I can look up a different kind of car. I can search for that kind of car. I can do whatever. Or 
I can pay this extra money and this extra money that I pay on this lease payment every month is going to be a reminder to me (laughs) of my stupidity. Yes. And also that like, that like, I need to think things through a little better and that I should have done this better. And so I did. So I got the car, drove it off a lot. And I drove this dumb (laughs) car with these insane, like flashy, like, like rims. It was, I mean, they weren't like super crazy, but they were like very shiny metallic rims. For like three years. So the point of all of this is that car dealer is the New York Yankees. That is what happened. They called (laughs) the New York Yankees and were like, please, we'll do anything. We have to get rid of Giancarlo Stanton. Please, I beg you, New York Yankees, please. And the Yankees went, I mean, okay. It's going to cost you, basically. Basically, that's... That's exactly right. Yes. Now here's and then here's the last thing I'll say about the actual nuts and bolts of the deal, which is insane. There's a rumor today, because of course there is, right. that the Yankees are interested in trading for Garrett Cole. Now Garrett Cole is if there's anything, if there's any hope for the rest of the American League or the rest of the league in general, right. besides just that the Astros somehow beat them in the playoffs again, that hope is they're so what? There's they'll score a thousand runs. They're gonna break, they're gonna shatter. They're, as you shatter, pointed out, they're going shatter. to shatter the team record for home runs held, held by the Seattle Mariners. They're going to blow through. Their starting nine may, right. may defeat the all-time. And that's not a joke. The record yep. is what, 265? It is absolutely, if Greg Bird becomes what they think Greg Bird is going to be, and Stanton and Judge maintain their pace, and Didi Gregorius and does, Sanchez, Sanchez is all, yeah. plays a whole year, which he didn't last year. And Didi Gregorius hits another twenty five or whatever. They their starting nine could hit more than two hundred and sixty five home runs easily. They, it wouldn't even be a stretch to, for those guys to it's average less than thirty. Per what, right, they, it's less than thirty yeah. per guy. Yeah. So if there's any hope at all for the league, it's that their pitching is a little Ball suspect, spot. right? Because they have Severino, who certainly seems like the real deal, but Tanaka was was. He was great in the playoffs Shakes. and kind of shaky. Oh, through, he, he had, his ERA was almost five. Sabathia, who miraculously turned into Warren Spawn last year. Uh, well, they haven't brought him back yet. They're gonna have. They're probably gonna have to pay right. him. I'm sure they will pay him. But I mean, they have to bring him they back. Have, for like they would have to pay nope. him and bring him back. Then and right. then there's just a bunch of question marks. There's Jordan Montgomery and there's all these guys. Who knows? Yeah, there guys that could be okay. Yes, right. but that's the hope, right? If you have any hope as a not as a Yankee hater. The, your hope lies in the idea that their starting pitching just can't keep it together. And right. now it's like, well, they're going after Garrett Cole because of course they are, because they have yeah. still a billion prospects that they didn't have to give up in the Stanton deal. <laughs> That's uh, right. Cole is only in his second RB year, which means they can pay him whatever his arbitration level will be of 7 million or whatever. They can pay him 7 million and still be under the salary cap. Uh, the luxury tax, and then suddenly it's like, oh no, it's there's no problem with their starting pitcher. They have they have Garrett Cole and Severino as their one two, and now they're going to win 145 games. And that this yeah. the whole thing, and this is what I mean. It's like this is what bums me out about it is like from a from everyone's point of view, this is not good for baseball. It's it's bad. It's tilting. It's like you know, it it's too skewed now. But from baseball's point of view, this is all great for baseball because baseball wins when the Yankees win and baseball wins when the Dodgers win. I mean, the they, they they're still 
everybody at ESPN, everybody at Fox and everybody in MLB is still wishing that the Yankees had defeated the Astros last year in game seven. And they'd had a Yankees Dodgers world series because the ratings would have been higher. The ad revenue would have been higher. This hype would have been higher. The rematch this year would have been higher, all of that stuff. So no, they, the, what bums me out the most is that when we consider this to be a, an emergency and a tragedy, everybody uh, at the MLB headquarters and everybody at Fox and everybody at ESPN is clapping and cheering and they're so excited and they can't wait for opening day. You know, can I give you two words, by the way, and they're two words that I forget all the time that will just totally bum you out um, because I just forgot this. I listened to you as you went over uh, the the Yankees, uh, the one sort of negative thing about the Yankees, which is that starting rotation, that there's at least a chance. But I'll give you two words that you did not say that I do not say that I never think about, but that is that 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 are part of this story. You ready for him? Hit me, Sonny Gray. <laughs> <laughs> they have Sonny Gray. It's like, yeah. oh my gosh, I just totally forgot that because I'm like going, hey, you know what? I mean, Sabathia is like, I'm sure they'll bring him back, but he's old. He might not do it. And Severino's awesome, but he's a kid, and maybe you know he, he pitched a lot of innings this year and. They've got Sonny Gray. Like, like they're gonna they're gonna add uh, Garrett Cole, and their top three are gonna be Severino, Sonny Gray, and Garrett Cole. Maybe not in that order, but those top three. Then who cares? Who cares who they're four and five? Then Tanaka's fine. Tanaka's a four, and th- yeah, they're gonna win 130 games. I they're just I mean, how many former? It, it, let's say they got Garrett Cole. Oh my god! And, and they re-signed Sabathia. How many of their like? How many people on their twenty-five man roster are former All Stars? It oh must be gosh. eighteen or something. I mean, oh, it's like yeah, it's insane, right? It's insane. Well, here's the thing. So I did. So I am here in Orlando uh, at the winter meetings, and nothing has really happened yet. This we're recording this on on Monday afternoon. Haven't nothing's really happened yet. However, I did get to spend some time today, uh, which is cool, I guess, in its own way, with Aaron Boone. Uh, to talk to him, which is like, you know, basically my questions to Aaron Boone were along these lines, man, seriously, like, like, like you you become, you become the manager of a team that's already dominant. You've never managed in the big leagues. You're given this gift. Nobody's ever been given a team like this after seven years of being like a broadcaster, right? Nobody, nobody's ever been like, Hey, you want to be a manager? How about the New York Yankees? And like, just as about they're about to become dominant, okay? And then his first day, his first full day on the job, he gets a call from Brian Cashman saying, "Hey, I think we got a shot at Stanton." You got to yeah. be kidding me! Like, um, you he, know what Aaron Boone's job is next year? I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the perfect analogy for what Aaron Boone's job <laughs> I is. I want to hear year. this. Okay, in a football game. When a team has like a, you know, a 23 point lead or 24 point lead late in the game and they punt and uh, they the punt hits the ground and it's rolling on the ground and the gunner on the punt coverage team runs down and is near the ball and the gunner and the ball is just sort of rolling. It's continuing to roll and the gunner just puts his arms out (laughs) like he's backing up away from the ball and he puts his arms out signaling to his teammates get away from the ball everyone just get away that's that is aaron boone and the ball is the new york yankees like that's all he has to do he has to show up and basically watch go around everybody yeah watch it the 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 other coaches and the trainers and the everyone and just go like hey just 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 stay away just everybody stay away nobody nobody talk to anybody everyone just be quiet and and just don't don't disturb them <laughs> because because it's the fir- it's the top of the first 
and we're up 14 right. to nothing. And Aaron Judge has two grand slams in the first inning. And, and if we're all really quiet and we just don't do anything, just don't rock the boat, don't make any waves, don't draw attention to ourselves, he might hit a third grand slam in this inning, which would be an all-time record. And I kind of want to see that. So just everyone just get away, get away. Everyone get away. Go back. Go back inside. I, I want to give you this. This it's not even a quote. It's just. Uh, it's just. I mean, I'm, it's not a direct quote, but it's a general quote from from Aaron Boone, uh, who, by the way, is a delightful guy. I mean, he's you know, and he, I think he was a good broadcaster too. Um, uh, count, counterpoint: He can rot in hell forever. Yeah, no, well, that's but that's but that's because of what he did on the field. I'm not even talking. about Yeah, that. no, I I understand. Yeah, I don't I don't particularly care whether he's a good person or not. No, I'm I just saying. I know, you don't. I know you don't. Counterpoint: He can rot in hell forever. <laughs> <laughs> I asked him, I said, hey, you know, look, not to put too much pressure on you. Actually, I want to put tons of pressure on you because I'd love to see you fail. But but here's the thing. I don't believe any manager in baseball history, okay, in the history of baseball has had three right-handed power hitters in the same lineup as good as Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, and Gary Sanchez, right? They've no only, way. No only way. one team in baseball history has ever had two guys hit 50 home runs. Uh, in a season that was the 61 Yankees with uh, Maris and Mantle. Um, obviously, Maris, a lefty, and Mantle, a switch hitter. So I'm like, nobody's ever had this kind of power. So I said to him, you will you will appreciate this based on the fact you would like him to rot in hell. Uh, I said to him, I said, you know, nobody's ever had that before. So I said, you know, just purely from a lineup construction way, like, are you going to try to split them up? He obviously has great lefty hitters as well, Greg Bird and – Gregorius is a switch hitter, right? And and whatever. I mean, are you gonna are you gonna try to split these guys up? What are you gonna try to do? And he he said, Yeah, I might, but really, I might not. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Literally what he said, I don't think it matters. You know, I mean, I'm you know, yeah, I might. I'm you know, no, I'm good, but I think when you have guys that good, um uh yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I guess Gorius is not a switch hitter, by the way. He's a lefty. But but the point being, he could do whatever he wants. That's there's never been That's a manager right. that I mean. I look. I mean, you could you could people used to say that about Sparky Anderson. He could put that red that big red machine lineup together any way he wanted. It'd be fine. It's probably true. Um, but not like this. Not like this. I mean, he he has. You know, look, they hit 240 home runs last year, which wasn't that far off the record. Right. And they just added Stanton. Right. I mean, this is – it's an emergency. And by the way, Sanchez – so Sanchez only played 122 no, that's right. he's a, games He's a potential 50-home run guy. He really is. I mean, he's a certainly a 40-home run guy. Yeah, certainly. I mean, he except, except that because he catches, well, he can't, he can't play that. But, but they might de-age him, yeah. And, and his – 162 game average. He's now played in 177 games and That's hit 53 I mean. home runs. I mean, so, I mean, so his his 162 game average what? is 49 home runs right. and 121 RBI. So yeah, like it, it's uh, I I I there, there's a part of me as a baseball fan and historian that's kind of curious to see what happens because if you know, barring major injury, if everything clicks, it's like it should be an exaggerated baseball version of what the Warriors yeah. are. When, you know, the Warriors are the Warriors because they have three of the 10 best all-time F- shooters right. in basketball history on the right. floor at the same time. They have Curry Thompson and, and Durant. And so when you watch them and they are all clicking, you're like, yes, that's what this looks like. It looks like there are three guys who just get the ball and fire and hit the shot every time from anywhere on the floor. They 
they drive to the hole, they shoot from three, they take a mid rate, whatever doesn't, doesn't yes. matter. Whatever they whenever they shoot, it goes in. And and this should be the baseball equivalent of that. It should be a team that threatens, if not achieves, 300 team home runs in 162 games. They should average almost two home runs a game, basically, based on this lineup. Now, a lot of, of stuff can happen. Stanton right. hasn't been the healthiest guy in the world. <laughs> Look, Neither Judge has is Sanchez. a big guy. He's you know, a big, Judge, big guy playing the outfield. Judge right. is a huge guy. They, they, they basically avoided any c- catastrophic injuries last year. There were no torn Achilles. There were no MCL tears. There were no... You know, there were no rotator cuff right, tears. Right. There's none of that stuff that, that knocks guys out for, you know, for the whole year. Um, and who knows? It, whatever. Like, super teams have not had a great, um, except for the Warriors, super teams, generally speaking, haven't had a great run of it in any sport. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But the point is, it's going to be shocking what this team can do. Like, there's going to be a game some point in April Mark my words, where they hit yeah. well, I think, 12 home well, I runs. I think Judge and <laughs> like, Stan you know, hit like, three homers each, right? Like, like, like that just start off. Yeah, exactly. And and the, yes, there will be a game where Stanton and Judge go back-to-back three times in the same game <laughs> oh, or something. There, You know what I mean? Like the, all sorts of crazy well, stuff that we've not, never seen before. Right, and let's not underestimate happen. this because I think this is really, really important. Ass- again, we have to assume Stanton stays healthy. If Stanton stays healthy in that ballpark, because Stanton hit 59 home runs, 31 at home, in one of the worst home run ballparks in all of baseball. Just a dreadful sort of, yeah. you know, the ball dies there. It just dies. And Yankee Stadium has become it's a launching pad. It's the best home run baseball, uh, home run ballpark in the American League. I mean, it's, you know, for lefties and righties. It doesn't, I mean, it's a, it's a joke for lefties to some degree. But for righties, I mean, Stanton could poke a, fly ball to right field it's going out i mean it's like so so the idea that he could hit 65 home runs is totally within the realm of possibility here and and i mean it's yeah all right here's here's how we should end this thing because we've already gone a little too long but here's how we should end this thing so my question to you is okay the yankees the yankees don't have to win we've already discussed this it's a short series the astros are amazing they're fantastic the indians are amazing with that staff yep. they're fantastic any of those teams in a seven game series could absolutely beat the yankees the yankees are not necessarily going to win the world series uh but i think they go into the year certainly thinking that way but here's my question for you because you'll have total insight into this how out of their minds are the boston red sox right now and what will they not be willing to do over the next like month to like counter this move I don't. I. I of course have no real idea. I mean, I they already there was a, the 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 worst, most depressing stat that flew around the internet after the deal was that what is it? It's like Sanchez, Judge, uh, Stanton, and Gregorius hit more home runs last year than the entire Red Sox team. <laughs> yeah, they had like 169, and the Red Sox had 158 or something. I mean, it's super depressing. That last. So it's not. It's not like the Red Sox didn't know that they needed a, a power right, bat. Right. It's the, the problem is that there's basically one available right. through free agency is Jake Martinez. And he went so crazy last year in Arizona that the, there's a real risk that he's going to say, yeah, I'll, I'll sign for 10 years, $250 million. Right, at which point right. you go, well, well no, Boris is his agent. Yeah. that's right. Yeah. So you think you're going to get that guy on like a three year deal or something like it's going to be, <laughs> he's going to want Stanton money basically. And, and so I, like the, my bigger fear, frankly, 
as it always is, is that they overreact. Like right, they, I think they, they will only, only get in trouble when they overreact. They got in trouble when they signed Carl Crawford, which was an overreaction. They got in trouble when they signed Hanley and, and Sandoval. That was a huge overreaction. Like overreactions tend to be terrible. They were already talking about trading Jackie Bradley Jr. And I get it. There's a reason you trade Jackie Bradley Jr. Because he's a great defensive outfielder and, and he didn't, you know, he didn't have a great offensive year. He was better the year before, and he doesn't have. He has like 15 home run power or whatever. The problem is the only thing the Red Sox have basically is outfield defense. Right. That's that's their whole. That's how they. That's how they won their division. They won their division with the best outfield defense anyone had anywhere right. by a long shot, I think, and by with good pitching. So I feel like. The, my fear is that they start breaking up pieces of what worked in order to try to chase the, I mean, the Yankees are going to double their home run total next year. And there's nothing, and like cutting it from, you know, from 150 home run lead to like a 135 home run lead or whatever is not going to do anything. Like I, I, I kind of feel like they shouldn't do, they should try to be incrementally better in places and, you know, at, at third and, uh, and at first and maybe their DH and stuff, but they, but like, I my fear is that they just go hog wild and they try they do what they did when they signed the basically the year they signed Hanley and and Sandoval they had no third base power and they had no first base power right and so they signed the best third baseman available and the best first baseman available they overpaid them like crazy and they were both kind of I mean Hanley had a decent year last uh, two years ago but last year he's like he's breaking down the guy's not good anymore no. and obviously Sandoval is a, like a, they're going to be paying for that for another two years right and it just worries me that they're going to like that they, that they're just like whoever the biggest signing is they're going to do that and i i really hope they don't because i don't think that's going to help what if they go nuts first of all <clears throat> my view on this is they will absolutely go overreact of course they will they're the red sox look th- th- that's as much as we talk about how much the Red Sox and Yankees dislike each other and how big that rivalry is, I don't think we get the full the full brunt of it. I mean, I've now, you know, I know a bunch of people inside both organizations. They go crazy. I mean, it's like they they, you know, like I don't know that anybody in the Boston uh, you know, entire front office has eaten since this this Stanton thing happened. I mean, I think they're I think they're losing their minds. So, here was my question. What if they went completely the other way? And just tried to build themselves a super staff, super pitching staff. Like they went yeah. trying to get Garrett Cole, and they went out and tried to like just build this insane, you know, starting with Sale, you know, figuring out if you're going to make David Price some sort of super reliever, which I think, right? I mean, isn't that where they go with David Price? Maybe, maybe you know, to, to save his elbow. Yeah, you know, and plus he seemed to be really good in that role. Uh, Kimbrel is is Kimbrel. And you just go out there and just go nutso and just try to build yourself like the 2011 Phillies, you know, pitching staff where you just go ahead and just do that and just. Yeah, know. maybe they go after Arietta right. and hope that he holds up or bounces back and they go after Garrett Cole and they go after, I mean, I don't even know who, maybe they go after Barrios or somebody like somebody, <laughs> that, you know, like they go to, they go to the twins and make them some insane offer. I don't know. I, I mean, sure. I mean, that's that's a that's probably ultimately a better idea than trying to out slug a think. team I that just, is going yeah. that's going to break every slugging record. Like, even if again, even if you get to two thirds of what the Yankees are going to do, it's still their advantage is so massive. I just can't imagine it actually amounting to anything. I, uh, it's just it's so depressing. The whole well, thing that's is so what depressing. I was gonna say. At the I'm, end of the day, isn't this just? Look, here's the thing, and I think it comes down to this. Alan Sepinwall 
uh, our Yankee, uh, I would call him our Yankee correspondent here on the podcast. Yeah. Um, man, do I hate that guy. I just, I, I just, <laughs> man, man, do I hate that guy. I, you know, I mean, look, he's a great guy. He's a great writer. He's all those things. But yeah, he's, it's, you know what? It's the Aaron Boone he can rot in hell. That's just it. I mean, he's so happy. This is like, did you see him tweet the other day? He tweeted, I'm not even on Twitter anymore, but somebody forwarded to me. Thank you for doing that. He tweeted something like, what a great time to be alive. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so I'll say, I'll say this, like, you know, there, the one thing you can say about this and it ain't much, frankly, but there's (laughs) one good thing you can say about this. Okay. The Yankees were about to go on a run of like six or seven years where the the insufferable narrative was we did it the right way. We did it the oh, way we yeah. did it when Stick yeah. Michael was running the organization. It was homegrown <laughs> and drafted in young guns and the baby bombers and blah, blah, blah. And that you were going to hear that so often, it was going to drive you and me up the wall. You were going to that true. stupid narrative of like, this is this is the right way to do it. We're the Yankees. We did it the right way. And now, thankfully, that just goes out the window because it's like you bought you went bought Stanton from your old shortstop. Your your, your shortstop went to another team and sold you Mike Stanton for a for a banana, for a banana. And a, like an old muffler. And and like I don't care what you say. I don't care how good Gliber Torres is. Who, by the way. A lot of these guys, let's remember, aren't homegrown prospects. They're oh. other teams' prospects that they picked up when they sold Andrew Miller and they sold Chapman and they sold whoever. That's a neither here nor there. But the point is, like, they are not a young, scrappy, lovable team. <laughs> they are. In, they are a. They, they, it's the same thing it's always been. It's store bought Giambi, Randy Johnson, CC Sabathia. It's like the same. Like the Mark Teixeira. Like they're doing it the way they always did it. And the and. There is a, I do get a little bit of pleasure, quite obviously. I get a little bit of pleasure out of blowing up that narrative that was about to unfold like day after day after day for years on end. They are the White Walkers. That's it. They are. That's there. There's, there's even, even Alan cannot argue that point. But I think Alan is so happy he won't even want to argue that point. He doesn't care. He they doesn't. don't care. I mean, that's the other thing is like ultimately, like that little bit of pleasure that I take from, like basically I'm, I'm parsing this specific narrative that's going to unfold when the Yankees win five straight world series. And I don't think the Yankee fans really care whether oh. I'm, whether I get a 1% less uh, uh, satisfaction out of that or what not. What are they going to do with this? Are they going to call them like judge and jury? Like, are they going to do some sort of. Oh God. <laughs> no, they're going to, they'll come up some Phil Mushnick will come up with some kind of. Like <laughs> stupid nickname that sticks, and everyone will yeah, they'll dress up in costumes, and they'll have a day where they all everybody comes. Oh, and wears they'll just be so judges' happy. robe and a. Oh, uh, the Yankee fans God. will be so happy. All right, well they got him. I mean, look. Well, yeah, the, you know, here's here's the thing though. You just nailed it. It's it's uh, Judge Stanton and and Sanchez are going to be judge, jury, and executioner. Judge, That's what's going to happen. That's it. They're they're going to release a poster that says judge, jury, and executioner oh. where. And then they're gonna and they're gonna like hype it and it's gonna All be right, so I wanna just say I, this though. This is I think this is really important to say. If you guys call them, and I'm talking to you, Yankee people, you call them judge, jury, and executioner, money comes to the podcast. That's what I'm saying. I mean That's we, right. We, we get four we get four percent of every dollar <laughs> that the Yankees make. <laughs> that would make me happy. I mean, it's just like it's 
there, look, that's it. This is, I mean, it's over now. I mean, there's not even the, the Yankee minute that has been such a prominent part of this uh, podcast. What now? I mean, they're just, they're just incredibly dominant. They're just, it's. I think we, I think we go to, um, I don't know. I think we go to like a pirate's <laughs> minute or something. I think we, <laughs> I just said a, po- a, a protest. Happier. We just like what's Francisco Cervelli up to this week? <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's depressing. Well, all right, real quick, last thing before we leave, yes. last thing right now, what would you set the odds uh, if you were in Vegas at a sports book? What odds would you set as the Yankees win the win actual the World, Series? World Series? Look, you and I both know that yes. you cannot set those odds that low, right? Because it's uh, you have to you have to look. I, they're gonna. They're one to they're whatever one to five to to make the playoffs, right? I mean they're they're gonna they're there's there's no way they're not gonna yeah. make the playoffs, right? So then it's a question of they've right. got to beat, and I think in the American League particularly they've got to beat they'll have to beat a very very good Cleveland team, a very very good Houston team, probably although they might have a great record and beat the Mariners, whoever makes the wild card or whatever. So I don't know. So um so I'd say. You know, you give them. I think they're favorites, probably against the. They're favorites against Cleveland for sure. I'm very, very interested to see how Houston finishes this thing out. Um, you know, they were so good this year. We'll see. Uh, then they'll probably have to play the Nationals or Dodgers, and then you know, they're four to one, right? Four to one, five to one. I mean, what do you think? I'd say they're one to ten thousand. <laughs> I think they're. <laughs> I think in order to win a single dollar. On a you bet, have to the Yankees says you have to bet ten thousand dollars. Yes, I'll tell you what. What do you think are the odds that they're going to break the home run record? That's a great question. I mean, that's got to be even money, right? It's even. I. I mean, look again. You just add what they had last year to Stanton, and they break the home run record. So right. Uh, you, well, yeah. You okay? You subtract Caster, who hit whatever fifteen or eighteen right. or whatever. You add fifteen. Um, and by the way, you, do you remember who their starting first baseman was last year? Oof, who was there, sir? Chris Carter? Chris Carter. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was Chris Carter because he had hit 40 home runs a year before, and then he was a complete failure, and he was gone. Then they brought in Bird, and Bird couldn't do anything, right. and then he was gone. They didn't have a first baseman who was hitting for power last year, oh. basically the whole year. So now you say, okay, look at what Greg Bird did in his last month, including the playoffs. He hit like nine home runs in 20 games right. or something. Right. So if Greg Bird has figured it out, and they have a power-hitting first baseman there the whole year, do they have? Is Frazier still there, or is he gone? He's still there, but I mean, the, that is one of the hot things down here in uh, in Florida is that they're trying to trade Clint Frazier. That that's that he is. He, no, Todd. Oh Frazier. yeah, Todd Frazier. They still have, I guess, but Clint Frazier. Okay, so Todd Frazier. They also didn't have a power hitting third baseman for most of last year. So now you add in Todd Frazier, who's good for even in his. You know, he's only thirty one or thirty two. He's good for twenty five. They still have Matt Holiday. Is Matt Holiday still around? He's gone, and he's a free agent. He's he's uh, he's out. But know. you know, Aaron Hicks hit 15 home runs in like 12 at bats <laughs> somehow, and then got injured. And you know, and they, I mean, they have a lot of guys who are 28 or under who hit for for power. And I, I mean, if you're saying that the home run record is 265, and you say right now, what are the odds they break it? It's got to be. I would say maybe three to two yeah, at, yeah, at worst. Yeah. It's pretty close to even odds. It is really pretty close to even odds. And, you know, again, a lot of that can break down. I mean, injuries can break them down, but uh, all right, I'm just depressed. I'm just depressed. All right. It's super depressing. And if you're the Indians or the Astros or, 
or the Red Sox or the even the Angels. I mean, the Angels had what one day of happiness. <laughs> wait, <laughs> poor Angels. They, they they come out of nowhere. They steal Otani away from every other team, including, by the way, a lot of AL yes. West teams, including the Mariners, were like it totally. That's where everyone I think thought he was going to go. And suddenly the angels come along and they're like, ha we just got a guy who throws a hundred miles an hour <laughs> and also is going to deep for us. And it's this incredible, it's like our, our franchise is relevant awesome. again. And this guy and Trout's going to be back. And then suddenly, and then one second later, <laughs> the Yankees get John Carlos Stanton. Oh my God. If I were Mike Sosha or Artie Murray, I would be so bummed out. Like, you had one day of relevance, and then you were gone again, and well, you know no what's one cares. One of the like rumors, and it is very much a rumor down here, is that the Orioles are are seriously uh, pondering uh, dealing Manny Machado. You know, Machado is going to be a free agent at the end of the year. They don't believe they can sign him, but I wonder. And that rumor really kind of just started today, and I don't know if there's anything to it. And I would hope, for their sake, that there isn't anything to it because I don't think they're going to get enough to to make that work out. But. Um, that could easily be the Orioles gone. Well, what's the point? <laughs> what's like, well, what's the point now? Yeah, I mean, well, might as well trade Machado. Let's let's plan for twenty twenty two when uh, you know when some of these guys start to break down on the Yankees. I mean, it's just well, that's the really the the super 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 scary thing. And then <laughs> I swear to God, we'll end this. <laughs> the super super scary thing is is you've got Machado and Bryce Harper in the next yes. two years as free agents, right? So that is the real. That's the real bummer of the Yankees being able to get under the luxury tax and adding Stanton is suddenly they reset and now they can go out and they can sign Machado to play third base for them should they want, should they desire to replace Todd Frazier. You imagine the upgrade, imagine them hitting 300 home runs and then upgrading in the offseason from Todd Frazier to Manny Machado, both offensively and defensively, by the way. And, and then also, by the way, if they want to, they can sign Harper. Because oh look, they're luxury. They sail over the luxury tax. Who cares? They reset their level. They're Where only would they even 20, play him. Twenty cents on the even... dollar to instead of fifty or sixty or whatever it is. Where would and they now, even play Bryce Harper? I mean, that's, they, that's, they would I mean, DH they, him, right? They, that's they DH I mean, somebody. They <laughs> they have basically. Let's say they sign Harper. They basically have they have Harper Judge. Uh, and or, or they put Harper in left. They say you want to come play play near Monument Park, buddy. You want to you want to get your plaque out there. Then you got to play in left. And Gardner's gone because Gardner hit. It's yeah, thirty five. But, but I mean, where Stanton played? Where and Stanton, Stanton DHs, and and when he doesn't, then he moves into the outfield, and maybe Harper plays center for a game. I mean, they, who cares? <laughs> what does it matter? Oh my gosh, I'm so Every depressed. Single, all oh, nine my. guys on their team play third at the same time. Who cares? <laughs> they they're still gonna win. I'm so depressed. Oh, it's the worst. Oh, it's really bad. I didn't realize how bad it was until we just talked about it for an hour, but it's so bad. It is bad. It is bad. Well, hopefully later in this week, we will release our uh, our actual podcast where we get to uh, rip on Brandon McCarthy a little bit. So <laughs> I blame him. That, that, I blame him for all of I, this. Let's go. Let's <laughs> let's get that out of the way right now. I'm I'm gonna well, Timber Steppenwall. Both of those guys are at, at least worth fifty percent of the. I don't know why I blame Brandon. Maybe just because he played for the Yankees for like one second, that so he, he still has the stink of the Yankees on him. But I I definitely blame him partially for this. Yeah, he'll have to hear about it for sure. There's no question about that. Well, Michael, as always, thank you. I guess. <laughs> I guess. Thanks for having me. I guess we should keep doing this. It's what's the point. 
<laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. Oh, my gosh.